Well, this morning, it doesn't take much to look around the room and realize that it's a season of vacation. Some of you just got back from vacation, and you can talk to Howard and Vicki about the 110-plus degrees, and I don't know if you came back refreshed or exhausted from that heat, um, but you have, it's a time where, you know, whether we're in our working years or retired years, we're oftentimes we're in summer, and the weather warms up, and life springs about, and the water in the lakes and rivers is where we can go and get get go for a dip. It is normally a time where we take our vacations, and it's to kind of break away from what we normally are involved in, break away from the hectic life that we usually have. And we think of our vacations as a time where we can just go and recharge and refresh ourselves. And I want to kind of talk about that idea of a, of a vacation of the soul this morning, a place in our life where we can go and find rest. How many of you ever come back from your vacation that you spent a lot of money on, a lot of time preparing, and maybe a lot of time being involved in, and just came back saying, I need a vacation for my vacation? <laughs> Have you ever said that, ever heard that? And, and it seems to me that sometimes just getting away from it, getting our vacation, maybe it's our retirement years and whatever goal we place to change our circumstances, if we can just get to that place, I'll be at peace. I'll be at rest. If I can just have the perfect vacation, then my life will change forever. I want to ask you, how many of you have ever been on a perfect vacation? Where the weather is so hot that you don't even want to go outside. I remember my grandma telling me about their honeymoon, and they got married in the morning, if I remember right, and then drove all day to um, their destination. But about two-thirds of the way there, their car broke down. And they were out in the middle of nowhere with no cell phone, obviously, uh, 60-some years ago now almost. No way to communicate with anyone, and no one came by. And so they spent the first night or their second night, one of those two, of their honeymoon in their car on the side of the road with no air conditioning, no radio, you know, no iPad or cell phone to watch a movie or Netflix on, just out in the middle of nowhere alone at night. Not exactly their perfect idea of how they were going to start their honeymoon. And, you know, if you're on social media, you might see someone post their Instagram post from Hawaii, and they have one picture. And you think, man, that must have been the perfect vacation. But that's the only picture they posted for a reason. <laughs> because there's other things that happen on our vacations that may take away from all the peace and tranquility that we want. And what I'm trying to share this morning is, is that we, we put ourselves and our hearts and our minds set on a vacation or a time away or a place or the cessation of something as what will bring us peace, what will bring us satisfaction, what will bring us to a place of contentment. And I know that Jesus would get away from it all and go to a place and pray, but then he went right back into the fire. His circumstances didn't change. In fact, they became you know, more and more severe as he got closer to the cross. The agony that he went through was more and more difficult. And so I think we would all be willing and able to admit this morning that just a simple vacation will probably not provide spiritual rest, provide the peace, the Bible says, that passes understanding. And so there must be something else, another path that God offers for you and I to find rest for our spiritual lives. And so this morning, we're going to look at a very familiar passage of Scripture. Many of you probably know Psalm 23 by heart. There's a reason why so many of us know this passage by heart. is because it is so potent. 
And there's so much power and there's so much truth in Psalm chapter 23 about how God speaks to us about the needs in our own life, the places that we want to go and the way we want to look at life in order to find rest that we need. Jesus knew we needed it. That's why he said those words from Matthew chapter 12. All you who are weary, who are burdened, who are heavy laden, come to me and I will give you rest. The psalmist writes about that rest and we're going to read that together this morning. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures and he leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul and he leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies, and you anoint my head with oil so that my cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I want to encourage you to take out your sermon notes if you don't already have them out and ready to go. Many of you do, but there is a way for us to follow the scriptures, follow the train of thought. Um, And one of the things about churches, and I feel it as a pastor, is sometimes I feel like the Lord really speaks to me, and I just wish I I could bottle it up. I just wish that I could end the service on Sunday morning and say, nobody touch me, nobody speak to me. I don't want anything to go wrong in my week because I feel like God has spoken to me and I want to keep a lid on this. But God calls us to fellowship and to ministry and to be out there in the world. But my prayer for you and I is that we can take some of these truths and and allow God to continue to work on our journey with him, work on how we find the rest and the peace that we need. So I'd encourage you during the week to keep a hold of this, keep a hold of these scriptures and these thoughts and say, Lord, am I resting in you? Am I doing the things that we're about ready to talk about? So the first thing that you and I can do and need to do to find rest for our souls is to depend on our shepherd. David said in this passage, the Lord is my shepherd. And because he's my shepherd, I have no want for anything. We need to depend upon our shepherd. Now, one of the things that is assumed by this, and we miss it sometimes, is if, we, if we're going to come to that place to realize that God is our shepherd, then what does it mean that we realize we are? Sheep. We need to realize that we're the sheep and God's the shepherd. Realize that we can try so hard to make the perfect vacation, to make the perfect circumstance, to change things and to maneuver things. Try so hard to get on top and to, to beat this thing that if we do enough and we do enough work and we try hard enough and we pray hard enough, then we're going to make things right. And David says, God is the one who leads me and I am the sheep. Hey, there we are. Some of you, that's a good picture. Some of you, maybe not so much. But the Bible says that we need to realize that we're not the ones in charge here. And if we want to be at peace and we want to find rest for our life, then we've got to give up the reins and turn that over to the Lord and say, Lord, I cannot find this peace. I cannot find this rest. You have to be the one who does it for me. There's another assumption that's made here, and it makes sense to me, is that if we find ourselves being in want, being unsatisfied, being discontent, being unhappy, lacking peace and lacking joy, then what David is trying to say here, then maybe there's a problem with who's leading you. 
If God is your shepherd and God is guiding you and God is the one who you're looking to for guidance and protection, then you'll want nothing. You'll have no need. But if you're the one who's in charge and you're the one who's making decisions, you're the one who's searching so hard for the satisfaction that only God can give you, then you're going to be lacking and there's going to be a lack of rest in your life. And so David says, the Lord is my shepherd and because he is guiding me, I will not be in want. Does anyone know what a cast sheep is? Anyone ever heard any of our sheep herders in our midst this morning? One of us knows this morning. A cast sheep is a sheep that's um, eaten so well and fur and wool has grown for so long that he can't keep, or she can't keep himself upright anymore. And so he literally is wobbling through life and he's so overburdened by himself that he falls over and he can't get up. You ever heard someone say that? I've fallen over and I can't get up. It happens with sheep. It happens in our life where we're so troubled and we're so distressed by the things that are going on that we just can't pick ourselves up anymore. I didn't take the time to put the YouTube video on there, but there's a video of a shepherd coming and riding his cast sheep, and it really is a simple process. You walk up to the sheep, you grab by the wool, you pick it up, and you set him down on his feet, and away he goes. But that sheep, that sheep would never be able to do that on his own. He would die unless a shepherd would come along and pick him up. And what David is saying is for you and I to be lifted by the Lord, we have to allow him to come and to hold us and to touch us and to bless us and to pick us up out of whatever we're in the middle of and set us on our feet so that he can do the things that we're going to talk about in the following moments together. We need to realize that we need Jesus to come and be the one who will guide us through this journey in our life. Another thing that David says in this passage is that we need to trust God to refresh our soul. I think this something comes easier for us when we've allowed God to be the one who guides us, when we allow God to be the one who leads us, when we know that on our own we're not going to find all the things that we need in life. But he says, It is God, he said in verse 2, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. Not the perfect getaway. Not the most expensive vacation. Not the one that will beat the one on Instagram. Not the one who will will be the better of any of your friends' vacations. Not the the dream vacation. It is God who is the one who is there to restore our soul. It puzzled me to realize that there's a word in here that that may be difficult for us. It says in that first passage, he makes me to lie down in green pastures. I was thinking about this week, God makes us? Can you think of a time in your life when God made you be still? I'm thinking in in my life and most of the time is because something bad happened. How many times have you heard someone say it was when I got the cancer diagnosis that I realized that my life was short and God got a hold of me. God did something in me that he would have never have been able to do any other way. It may be because you, you had a layoff at your job. And all the things that you had been doing and you had been providing for and that were under your control 
were ripped away from you. And God says, it's time to be still. It's time for you and I to have a talk. It's time for you and I to have a conversation about the loss that you've had, that person that you are depending upon, that, that, that scheme that you have that you thought was going to fix all of your life problems. We need to just be still and have a conversation about who really is in charge here and who really is going to be the one who provides the things that you need. I don't know how he makes you and I do that. It may be that he just speaks to us quietly and says, you know, you've been awfully busy lately. Let's, let's get away for a while. We talked about that in our series about where is God, that there are just times in the stillness and the quietness that we need to just get away and listen to what God is trying to say. I wonder, I've been around a lot of sheep herders to know that if the shepherd never told the sheep to stop, how long they would go without taking a break from their wandering. The insinuation here is that the shepherd knows more about the sheep than the sheep know about themselves. The sheep are sheep, and they need a shepherd. And so God says in our life at times, it's time to take a break. It's time to stop. It's time to, from this rat race that you're never going to win. It's never going to satisfy. It's time to take a break from this. And so you need to stop and listen. However it is in our life that God makes us to lie down, it's that he knows that we need it, even if we don't see it on our own. It also says he leads us besides quiet waters. Now, doesn't that sound wonderful? I can't think anyone in here who wouldn't just to, to leave First Friends Church after the service and someone take them along a cool stream. Just with the water trickling and a cool breeze and green grass and this small oasis of, of delight and just, just dwell in those moments. And the psalmist says that's what God does for his sheep. He leads us to those places of refreshment. He leads us to those moments of renewal. He leads us to those places of revival. And it is as we follow him that we find his direction to do so. We have to be careful to not demand that God do these first two things if we're not willing to follow him to the places that he leads us. That's the third thing we need to realize is that we need to follow God's path. It says in verse 3, the end of it, he guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Everyone needs a guide. Everyone needs a shepherd. Every sheep needs a shepherd. Jesus said, I'd even leave the 99 to go after the one because I know how bad they need me. And Jesus will do whatever it takes for us to follow his path and his guidance. There's a lot of paths in our life we could take. We could take the path of least resistance. We could take the path to quickest gain. We could take the path of least notice. There's all kinds of paths that you and I can go down trying to find the things that will answer us. It may be a relationship. It may be a friendship. It may be an escape. It may be a renewal. It may be all kinds of things that we're trying our own to satisfy our own heart and life. And it says he guides us in his way. One of my dreams from a little boy has been to go on a guided um, bighorn sheep hunt in Alaska or grizzly bear hunt, or something like that. Just go out into the Alaska wilderness where there's pretty much nothing for hundreds or maybe even thousands of miles, and just go for a week or two weeks and leave everything and everyone behind and just be out in the wilderness 
and living off the land and just pray I get out of there alive. But can I tell you, if the Lord ever provides the ability for me to do that, I would never go alone. I would need a guide to take me. Now, in most places, and I believe Alaska is true, in the wilderness, in order to get a hunting license, you have to have a guide. It is required for you, for your own survival and well-being, that you hire a guide and able to take you into those places that you could never go on your own. And I would never consider going out into the wilderness where there's bears and mountain lions and wolves and other kinds of creatures that wouldn't do nothing better than to make me their dinner. I would want someone who had walked those paths and been there before to go alongside of me, to go before me and recommend the right way and the safe path and the right ways. And in Second Tim- in Psalm, in Second Timothy chapter three, the Bible says the whole Bible was given to us by inspiration from God, and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It straightens us out and helps us to do what is right. I think sometimes the reason that we don't have the peace and the rest that we want is that we're trying to hold on to the promises of God as we go in a different direction than God is asking us to go. We want all the benefits of being a child of God, but we haven't yet decided to follow his path the way that he wants us to. We want to be happy. We want to have joy. We want to get along with the people around us. We want things to work right and our life to be planned out. We want to feel like we have purpose and joy in our life, and yet when it gets right down to it, we're living life our way. And When God provides direction in our life, we turn to another path. It said in that passage in 2 Timothy chapter 3, the scriptures straighten us out and help us do what is right. And maybe sometimes that we lack the rest that we need, that we're so busy running down a different path, we don't have the peace that we need in our own hearts and in our own lives. And maybe this morning that we're waiting for God to share what the next step is for us, and we won't have peace And we won't have the rest that we need until God provides that answer that we don't yet know. But I think it's probably safe to true for 90% of our lives, we already, the, the words that we need are already in the scriptures. God has already told us to love our neighbors ourselves. God has already told us to love him with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. God has already told us to go to the ends of the earth and share the gospel. All these things that God can make a part of our daily life are already in there. They're already written down. The light has already been shed. The path has already been shown for us. And we need to walk into that 90% that has already been revealed to us, trusting that as we walk and follow God's path, he'll provide the rest of the direction that we need. We need to depend upon our shepherd to have a heart and a life at peace. We need to trust that God is to be the one who restores our soul, not our own plan, not planning the perfect vacation, but it is God who brings us to a place of peace. We need to follow his path. And fourthly, this morning, we need to remember that he is with us. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. What a change in this passage. What a change in Psalm chapter 23 from God being a shepherd who makes us to be in a place where we have want for nothing, who leads us to this 
oasis and to these places of still waters. And then all of a sudden, bam, we're in the middle of the valley of the shadow of death. And things aren't looking so good all of a sudden. Has your life ever gone that way? Things were going well. There were green pastures and still waters, and you were loving life and living large, and then all of a sudden life hits you in the face and you feel like you're in the valley. The psalmist doesn't talk about God's plan of escape. He doesn't say peace and rest will come when you get out of the valley. He talks about your experience in the valley, in the middle of the storm that you're, in the, that you're facing. And what matters to him is that when he walks through that dark place, he isn't alone. You and I were not created to fight life's hardest battles on an island by ourselves. There is placed within us a need and a deep desire for companionship and for relationship and for intimacy with God. And the psalmist says that through the worst times in my life where I don't even know if I'm going to make it out alive or not. And the only thing that I need to know is that God is with me. And that is enough. It didn't change the circumstance. All that mattered to him is that God was with him and that God was present with him in those moments. But the challenge for you and I is to be in the valley of the shadow of death and know that God is with us. That's why we shared this series that we just ended a few weeks ago about where is God pretty much in the valley of the shadow of death. When we don't believe in him, when we can't see him, when we can't hear him, when we don't know where he is, when we're hurting, when we're in pain, where is God? We're in the middle of the valley. He's there with us, David says, all of the time, every moment that we are there. The problem for us is that our path can petrify our faith. Has the path that you're on ever petrified your faith? Or has it frozen your faith? The experiences that you're in can freeze your faith in God. David says, to know that you're with me, and then he says, you're going to take care of me. It's not just that you're there, but that your rod and your staff will comfort me. God's protection and God's correction, you can write that down in your next passage, are the, are the tools that God uses. The psalmist says, his rod will keep you safe. His staff will lead you and guide you. You know the hook on the end that will pull you closer. Where do we look for to find protection in our life? When I was 17, I usually was a really good sleeper, and this particular night I was restless, and, and all of a sudden I heard this horrible noise outside the, the um, room I was staying in at my dad's house. It was a converted garage that had just one tiny little window, and then the big garage door had been taken out, and just a single normal-sized door was there, and the little bitty window that was there just saw out the side of the house, and, and the wood pile was right there, and that's all I could see. So for 45 minutes or however long it was, I heard this horrible noise outside my room, and, and it sounded like, you know, a couple of cats gagging each other. I mean, you know, when cats are caterwauling and this, I mean, it, that's the only thing I think it was, and it was horrible, and, and I couldn't get out of my mind. I couldn't sleep. It wouldn't stop, and, and it really disturbed me, and, and 
it went on for so long, I finally looked out the window, and I couldn't see anything but the wood pile, and so I just really carefully, it was, I don't know, 11.30 at night, 12 o'clock in the morning, I don't remember, and I opened the door, and there was something in the street. It didn't take me very long to realize that in the middle of the street, in the middle of night, right outside my house, a guy was raping a woman in the middle of the road. And he was strangling her. She almost died. She was able to recover. But I was shocked. I mean, so I ran to the phone and I called the police and they, I told them what was going on. And they said, well, be right there. Stay on the phone with us. So I grabbed the cord. We had like a 50-foot cord, you know, no wireless phones then. And I walked from the kitchen area into my room and by the door and I waited. What they told me to do is wait for the police to arrive. My assumption was that they would come from both sides and apprehend the guy because it was still in the middle. It was still happening as I stood there. Well, really slowly around the corner, a police car came with his lights on and just kind of idled up there. And as soon as he came around the corner, the guy saw him and took off running. They didn't try to chase him. No pursuit. He just ran away. And they asked me to come out, and they, you know, she had um, strangle marks around her neck where he tried to kill her. Um, and uh, we were able to get her, at least be able to say her name. And then everyone left. They took her away. The police um, had talked with me, and then it just stopped. And this guy was out there in my neighborhood who had just done this. I was so angry. I was so disturbed. I'll just be honest with you. I went and got my, my, the biggest caliber hunting rifle that I had in my house, and I loaded it, and I sat on my bed. By then it was 2.30 in the morning. I was so upset. I didn't know what to do. I didn't think walking around the town in the middle of the night with a loaded gun was a good idea, so I put it away. But I didn't know what else to do. I, I, I had to fix this. I had to do something. So I put my hunting knife in my pocket, and I went for a walk. I had never seen the guy's face. It was the middle of the night, but I, I was so upset by what was going on. And I had to have a weapon on me to feel safe. I had to do something very strange and out of the ordinary because of the circumstance that I was in. And I walked around a few blocks, and then the Lord just kind of spoke to me. He says, what are you doing? Who do you think you are? Isn't it my job to keep you safe, to keep these people safe? I said, Lord, it was the police's job to capture that guy, and they just let him go. I'll still never forget that. My uncle said that if it would have been him, he'd have just shot the guy in the leg and he'd never got away in the first place. I'm not sure that would have left me with a lasting peace of any kind. But it still burns me that bad things happen and bad people get away with it. So the Lord said to me in those moments as I went back to my room and put the knife away and then went back out aside unarmed and without a weapon to say, Lord, okay, I need to... Calm down here. What are you trying to say to me? He says, it may not feel like it right now because of what you saw, but I will protect you. I protected her by sending you to the door when I did. She will be okay. My reaction was to grab a tool that I knew something that I was familiar with to, bring, to offer protection or to, to do what needed to be done to make the situation better. 
Most of the time, that only makes things worse. And thankfully, the Lord helped me to understand that. My human reaction was to grab my tools to do things my way to fix the problem. And the psalmist says it is by God's hand and God's rod and God's staff that he'll offer protection and correction. And in those moments where I was so disturbed and upset by what I had seen and witnessed, the Lord says, I am here and I will provide what you need. Isaiah chapter 43, verse 2 says, When you go through deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through the rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up, and the flames will not consume you. So much of the time we want to get out of the water in order to be at rest. We want to get out of the fire in order to be free. And the passage in Isaiah chapter 43 reminds us that it is in the middle of it all that we find God. Is in the depths of the waters where we feel like we're going to lose our breath and not make it out. When it feels like the heat is on so hot, it is turned up so high that we're just going to get fried. Is that is where that is where God is trying to meet us. That is where God is trying to touch us. And when we struggle and we fight and we run from those places where God is trying to test us and to touch us, then we miss the opportunity that we had to connect with God in a way that we could have never connected any other way. How many times have you heard someone say, I wish I would have never known God the way I've known him if it hadn't been for this that I went through? If it hadn't been for that pain that I experienced, if it hadn't been for that struggle that I was in the middle of. And we need to remember that whatever it is that we're in the middle of, that God is there and he is with us and he is for us and you know the Bible verse, if God is for us, who can be against us? But we need to remind ourselves that he is there with us to protect us and offer his correction when we need it. Two more and then we'll be done. This morning we need to also appreciate what God has given. The psalmist says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies and you anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Would you agree with me this morning that we live in a generation who, normally speaking, their cup is half full at best? Or half empty, however you want to weigh, the way you want to look at it is. It is always, if, if someone could give me more or change this or do that, then my glass would be fuller. And we live, many of us as Americans, with holding our glass half full or half empty, however it is, believing that just the next step or the next change will be the thing that fills our cup more. The psalmist says, because of your anointing, my cup overflows. Still went through the valley, still got led by the um, still water, still went to the green pastures, still had God leading him and God directing him. And through all of that, it is the realization that God provides for him is the reminder that his cup overflows because God is the one who provides. God is the one who meets the needs that only he could be met. Seems to me that if you're the table of your enemy, you might be the fair on the table in some generations of centuries ago. But even in the presence of his enemies, God is meeting the needs that he has. Even in the worst of moments where it should be that he has nothing to de- depend on, nothing to eat, nothing to satisfy him in those hardest moments, the realization that God is the one 
who meets every need that he has. Paul talked about this realization in 1 Timothy chapter 1. The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly along with faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. And there is something about remembering what God has done that changes our perspective in life. You've heard it called probably the phrase, the attitude of gratitude, the time in our life where we realize that we have so much to be thankful for. And sometimes the problem is, is that we want to wait to thank God until he's fixed our problem. We want to wait to thank God until this dark battle or wait to thank God until the valley is passed. And David says, even in the presence of this worst of moments, God makes my cup to overflow. And I want to encourage you, the next time you're just feeling defeated or depressed or discouraged or longing for rest in your soul, because you'll find it if the situation changes, I want to challenge you in those moments when you're tempted to want out to ask God to help you to be thankful for something right where you are. So I want to do that this morning, you and I this morning. I want you to just take a few seconds and think of something that you can thank God for. Think of something that you can be grateful for God for this morning. And just with your eyes closed just say or open, say, Lord, thank you for this thing in my life that, you, that you've done for me. Or maybe it's something that he's doing for you. Or you want to thank him ahead of time for something that he might do in the future. But part of being at peace is to appreciate what God has done for us. Be thankful for the areas that he's led us and the way that he's guided us in our life. And lastly, this morning, in order to find peace and rest for our soul, we need to focus on all and forever. To focus on all and forever. David said in this passage, the last verses, Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. What David is saying is that God never changes. That God never stops loving. That God never stops giving. And so I was thinking about this. What what follows me around all the days of my life? My shadow. Wherever I go, there I am, and my shadow follows me. And what David is saying is that God's love and God's goodness is like your shadow. Wherever you go, wherever you are, whatever in the middle of, it's right there. Whether you see it or not, whether you know it or not, it's always there. You may be always facing a direction that you don't even know it's there, but the fact of the matter is that wherever you go, there it is. And David is basically saying, wherever I go, whatever I'm involved in, wherever God leads me, his goodness and his love will be there. I think the challenge for you and I is to see it and to know and acknowledge that it's there when we don't feel like it is. Trying to posh this in my mind, a shepherd leading his sheep, you know. He kind of gets them and, and he gets them going in a direction and most of the time, he's in the back. You know, he may have a sheepdog, and that's not in the passage, so we'll deal with that another day. But he's, he's got his sheep out in front of him, and he's leading them and guiding them. And wherever they go, he goes. As we're following the Lord, wherever he leads us, whenever he guides us, God's love and God's goodness goes with us. And the, the psalmist says, that is important to me to know and to understand and to acknowledge that wherever I go, every day of my life, God will be there. Even in the dark days, even in the lonely days, even in the days where we hurt or in so much pain, it's hard to feel anything but our hurt and pain. God is there and his love and goodness follow us every day of our life. Whether we're at the green pastures or beside the still waters in the middle of the valley of the shadow of death, maybe we just need to take a moment this morning and say, thank you, Lord, that you left me.
Thank you that you love me well enough that you were willing to send your son to die on a cross for my sins. Thank you that you endured the greatest agony that could have ever been endured in order for me to be free, in order for me to be saved, in order for me to know your grace and goodness in my life. On his memory bank, on David's memory roll of life, it is the goodness and the love of God. How many times God was there how many times his love was real and how evident it was in the moment that he was in the middle of right there. And then he starts talking about the future. He goes back to the future, as you can see. And he says, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And I just want to close with this, this thought that we can spend our whole life running to this place we think we can live and be happy. This change, this difference, this movement, this ending of a circumstance or reinventing of the wheel or whatever it is, we can spend our whole life thinking if we can just get to that place, we'll be truly free and truly happy and truly at rest. David's eyes is very somewhere very different. His eyes are at heaven. He's living in the here and now, but he also is living for the hereafter. Have you ever met someone who lived in the here and now, but also was living in the hereafter? They're some of the most beautiful people that I've ever met. They talk about heaven like they've already been there for a little while and come back. (laughs) They have a focus and a resolve and a perspective that there is so much more going on in our life than just what's happening right here and just what's happening right now. And because God is our shepherd and he provides for us and he meets our needs and he guides us and he leads us, that it's not just about this life, it's also about the life to come. And there's a yearning and desire in David's heart to dwell in eternity for just that long. And I think, friends, there's some days where it can be all of God's love and all of God's goodness. It gets us to a place where we can take a deep breath and maybe have a moment of stillness, and then something happens and our our vision changes. Our focus changes from everything that's happening now to everything that's about to happen. And there are times in our life where we need the restfulness of dwelling on what eternity promises us. No more tears. No more pain. No more death no more suffering. All the things that we know that hurt so much on this life one day will cease for all of eternity and we will spend forever in the presence of God, worshiping him and serving him in ways that we can only begin to pretend to imagine on this earth. And David says, I can go through all of that. I can go through the best still time, alone time with God. I can go through the most difficult, painful, horrendous moments of my life that you could never even imagine would happen has happened to some of us. He says, I'm going to come out on the other side celebrating that God's goodness and love has always been there and always will be, and I've got a home in heaven. That's not a crutch. That's a promise. That's not a mirage. That's a reality. He's there right now still working on it. Still get in your room ready. And we need to have that promise fulfilled in our own heart, in our own mind. That it may just be sometimes like Paul kind of hinted at, 
My heart really wants to be there. I would rather be in heaven. But for the moment, God has placed me here for you and for whatever plan and purpose he has for my life. Where are we looking to find rest and peace in our life, in a relationship, in a change of circumstance, in the moving of events? Are we looking for it in God and his presence in our life? Let's stand and we'll close in a word of prayer. Lord, I look up at the screen at what's on there and it says, all and forever. The chorus that Bed played is, I'd rather have Jesus than anything. Lord, what is it that we want most today? Is it money? Is it a relationship? Is it a change in circumstances? Is it end of the fighting? Is it more money? Is it a different home life? Is it a different city? Is it a different family? Is it a different job? It can be all kinds of things, Lord, that we want to pretend will be the answer to our hurt. And David says in Psalm 23, I want to introduce you to this shepherd who is the only one who can restore your soul. He'll bring you to these quiet, still places of refreshment and goodness. When you walk through the hardest time in your life that we all have to walk through, those valleys, he'll be there. He'll protect you. He'll lead you in the right way. If you start to go down a wrong path, he'll, he'll guide you in the right way. He'll bring to your mind the things that he's done in the past and he has a future for you beyond what you can imagine in this life. And Lord, I just pray that we would just be just taken with this shepherd, just smitten with your love and overwhelmed by your goodness in our life. And as we struggle through, the, through this life and we fight the battles and we, we walk through the waters and we get burned by the fire in life, that we would cling to you and trust in you that you will lead us and you will guide us. And so many times, Lord, we're tempted to think that peace and rest and the end of this will be when the circumstances change. And the Bible never says that. It is that when we discover that God is with us, that his love and goodness will follow us all the days of our life. Lord, as we go from this place and you lead us, I pray, Lord, that we'd be aware of how your love and goodness follow us. That we'd be going down your paths and following it for your name's sake. And I just pray, Lord, that above all things, we would seek you. And, Lord, you'll provide the rest as we follow you. We ask, Lord, your blessing on the remainder of our day. Uh, keep us cool in this warm weather. And we just pray, Lord, that your blessings and your presence would rest upon each heart and life. And we'll praise you for that in Jesus' name.